so 50 customers today um, at a $25,000 ARPU. I mean, that puts you at about 1.2 in monthly revenue today, correct? Ish, yes. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Matt Kilmartin. He's the CEO and co-founder of Habu, the global innovator in data clean room software. He's passionate about entrepreneurship and developing technology to help brands and their digital transformation. He's got 20 years of experience in his career working for innovative software and data companies such as Salesforce, Crux, and Akamai. Matt, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right. So what does uh, clean room software yeah, so what it basically means is uh, two companies that have data um, who have a common business interest to collaborate around each other's data, but they don't necessarily want to give each other their data, right? So meaning it, it so clean room software is neutral infrastructure where two parties can effectively do analytics across distributed data sets. This is crossbeam space. Not really, I would say. Okay, because that's uh, the closest. Like I try and I try and pattern. Well, it's, it's, what's interesting is is a lot of the um, cloud data warehouses do this are, are doing this now. So yep. AWS, GCP, um, Microsoft are trying to do this, and, and that's where data sharing now happens at the cloud data layer. And then Snowflake and Databricks have capabilities around this as well. And so, so maybe for my audience, give some use case. So the use case I have is you're, so you, the, you potentially are going to partner with a company. You want to share email lists. Crossbeam is like sort of how you do this anonymously without like, like giving yeah. up data. What's a use case people use you so for? So a use case for us is we work with a lot of... So so I know Crossbeam because we use it. Um, uh, and a, a use case for us is um, Disney. Disney's a client. Disney owns Hulu, ESPN, and they have all the two TV viewership data, basically. Um, L'Oreal is who is a big advertiser, and they want to know what are the all the Disney and Hulu. What do you know about my customers, basically, right? So Disney doesn't want to give all of their data to L'Oreal. L'Oreal doesn't want to give all their data to Disney. They use our software to do data collaboration. So I see big media companies like Roku, Disney are examples of, of clients, um, and then also another big one is with retailers and manufacturers. So like grocers and people in CPG companies. Um, Interesting. Are those your so, two big use cases, Disney and Hulu and grocers and CPG? Those are, yeah. And, and we have other verticals as well that we're successful in. Um, but those are uh, media entertainment, retail, CPG, um, advertising. Those are a lot of the use cases of which people are using our software for today. And are Disney and Hulu both paying you or is it one side of the marketplace? Uh, today, it's one side of the marketplace. Um, Disney or Hulu? Uh, well, Disney, Hulu's part of Disney, actually. Um, it, I go with the comparison here. Grocery it, store or CPG chain? Uh, it, it can it can be either, actually. Uh, it depends who the actual licensee is, right? So so it could be the grocer. If they're the ones saying, hey, we're standing up an environment for all of our CPGs to collaborate with, it can be the, the, the grocer. But also it can be like um, L'Oreal is a client. And L'Oreal is basically saying, hey, I want to go work with all the beauty. I want to work with the beauty people. I want to work with my sponsorship people. And they can basically influence it as well. But our, 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 um, we want to make it friction-free for data collaboration. So we are not 
charging both sides. I see. I see. Okay. So you're charging one side and what is one side paying your current customers? One side paying on average per month to use the tech? Yeah. Uh, well, per month, we look at it sort of at a annualized basis. So the, okay. our average ACV is um, uh, by mid 300K range. And how do you get someone paying 600K? What's, how do you upsell? Consumption. So when someone buys our um, software, they get a certain number of data clean rooms or slots for collaboration. And as they uh, use them and as they use more, they, uh, they grow and, and there's an upsell opportunity. Okay, so let me try and give an example. Um, let's say HEB, the grocer, is paying for your software. They have X number of slots. A slot might be filled by Procter & Gamble because they sell Dove shampoo and Dial. Okay, that's how it all works. Yes, yep, you got it. Your quick study. Okay, interesting, interesting, interesting. Folks, as you know, time and place is everything, especially in marketing. But in today's age of a million messages a minute and not enough hours in a day, how can you actually catch your target's attentions? Well, there is a simple way, and many of you guys are testing this already. LinkedIn can help you speak to the right people at the right time. With LinkedIn becoming number one B2B display advertising in the US, you really have an advantage if you can get it right, right? So you can stand out against your competitors on nurturing customer relationships, growing your brand. Uh, they can get you quality and quantity with their targeting tools, which means your ads are see being seen by really people who matter. And so it's no wonder why companies of all sizes are using it. Take Main Street, a company that helps venture-backed startups claim tax credits. They increased their annual recurring revenue by 12 million with LinkedIn's marketing solutions. I really encourage you guys to try out LinkedIn. Scale your marketing, grow your business with LinkedIn advertising. So here's the deal. As a thank you to their customers for helping them grow three times faster than the competition, LinkedIn's offering a $100 credit on your next campaign. You can access it by going to linkedin.com slash SaaS interviews to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com forward slash SaaS interviews. Okay, it, so your upsell, that's a powerful upsell is number of slots. Are there any other sort of very powerful upsells here? Number of seats or no? Uh, we don't have a seat model right now. It's more based on as people are, are consuming more slots and, and collaboration. Okay, interesting. Then also, um, um, we're starting to look at some different modules as well, right? So mm -hmm. sort of version one of the software was around, um, you know, let's just let's just stick with the L'Oreal example. L'Oreal has their beauty customers, right? That's a data set. And then there's a data set with, you know, HEB or, or whoever else. We're starting to do now things more on machine learning, where they might have machine learning models built around skin types or propensity to buy other products? And, and how do you now start to do machine learning on other data sets? So that would be a more advanced module. Um, but out of the gate, it was sort of more data to data. And now it's more advanced modules are around ML and more model to data. And when was out of the gate? When did you launch? Uh, we've been building, the, we've been at it for three years, built technology for a year, launched commercially two weeks before the shutdown. So March of 2020 is when we launched commercially. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was that like? How'd you get your first customer? Uh, beg, borrowed, stealed. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, listen, it was a weird time, right? Because as you can see by our price points, um, it's kind of an enterprise sale and we're selling to, to big brands. There wasn't a lot of appetite for companies to, to enterprise buying at a time during COVID in the beginning. And so we had to get super flexible. And so we actually did some uh, shorter term deals. We call them first value deals where Instead of letting someone sign up for a year, we'd, we'd have more flexible terms and start using our software. And, and you know, we probably did, um, 
Well, actually, interestingly enough, of all those all those deals we did sort of six-month deals with to do sort of POCs or first value engagements, every single one of them has continued on as a customer. How many? How many POCs have you done to date? Uh, well, now we're done with the POCs. That was like two years ago. Um, okay. Like that was two years ago when we first launched. Now we're doing proper, proper. But, but take me back because there's so many of my listeners that are in that state, right? They're launching POCs to get going. How many did you have to launch and how many like converted to paid and what did you learn? Oh yeah. Great question. Um, so for us, because it's a little bit, because it's a, like enterprise, it was less around um, volume and in quantity and more around quality, right? Yep, yep, yep. Like one of my good buddies is the found, founding revenue leader at HubSpot. And, um, and obviously their model is very different, right? Um, and so, um, so yeah, so for us, it was all around like quality of, of fit and then also really handshaking with those customers around mutual success plans, right? So that would be my advice is like, you know, you don't know your ICP, you're trying to figure it out, place a few bets, place a few type, different types of experiments, identify what your learnings would want to be. Obviously you want sort of the, the money, but, but really the money's like a short-term thing, but it's good to get yeah. money because you want there to some skin. Matt, how many of those bets did you place though? Are we talking like five Disney's or five grocery chains or, five, or uh, 10 or have, 15? We, 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 we place probably eight to 10 bets. Okay. Eight to 10. And you're, and, and then what does that sound like back then? Was it like, listen, here's, what we're going to try and deliver over the next month or year or 15 days. And at the end, it's going to cost you this. If you're happy, what was the timeline and what was the cost if they were happy? Uh, it was more, um, it was probably more of a, a, a 90 day, 90 to, uh, 90 to 120 day window of make happy value realization. And then we didn't break our pick, honestly, if it's going to cost, cost this, right? We were really just focused on delivering great product, delivering value. And we said, if we do that, it's going to work itself out and we'll have a proper business conversation. Oh, but so did you not- didn't try and set an anchor at the beginning of the POC to say, if you, if we work hard to make you happy, it will be 30 grand a month. No, it was, it was COVID. It was in the beginning of it, right? You just negotiated <laughs> um, at the end. Yeah. So t- today, today, maybe we would be a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a different time, right? And and interesting. this is an in-person sale. It's an enterprise sale. And so all of a sudden we're trying to do it over Zoom screens. So we were flexible early on and it's, and it served us and it served us well. Um, yep. How many today? How many customers? Oh boy. Uh, we are south of 50 still. Okay. 50. When do you think you'll break 50? End of this month. Oh, you're close. Yeah. Yeah. We're close. We're growing a lot. I mean, we're, because you think about it is, okay. So let's just stick with your HEB and, and, um, Procter and Gamble. Gamble. Yeah. Yeah. So Procter and Gamble, they might not be paying us, but all of a sudden they're collaborating with HEB. So they're getting exposure to our software. Right. So all of a sudden we have a nice network effect where you could potentially go and have a conversation with Procter and Gamble. So we're, I mean, it's still an enterprise selling motion. We're working hard to, to identify some more product-led growth. And that's that's an area for us that we're focused on right now. Um, but we're um, we're definitely, I mean, it's, it's a hot category, I would say. There's RFPs out there right now. A lot of um, a lot of people are thinking about it. Yeah, because it's not just, every- it's not just, by the way, that's not just a nice tactic up. I mean, that is a golden staple of the fast-growing SaaS companies, right? You look at build.com. I learned about Bill.com because someone told me that they only were going to pay me if I signed up for Bill.com because they were already using Bill.com. It's the same right. sort of thing for you. You know, Dial, Procter & Gamble uses it via HEB. Then Procter & Gamble goes, wait, we work with hundreds of retail partners. We should buy our own licensed copy of this to, to use it. Yep. You're exactly right. You're, you're yeah. That's exactly a great, right. that's a great trait to be able to have, which is nice. Now, did you intentionally plan that going in or was that like a nice accident? Uh, 
I wouldn't like to say the word accident, um, but no, we didn't. We didn't. I mean, listen, you were, hope, no you were hopeful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen. So, listen. I was at Salesforce. So, I, I, this is my second. This is my second startup, right? My last. You were startup. at Salesforce in 2018 before 20 when you launched in 2019. I yeah, I, I resigned from Salesforce uh, three days to the day after they acquired my last company. So I was at a company called Crux, which Salesforce acquired. Um, I was the CRO at Crux, so I was. Did you make a lot of money, money in that acquisition, or no? Did I personally, or did the company? Yeah, you as CRO. I mean, you, maybe you had one or two percent equity, or or not. I don't know. Uh it was a good outcome. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, not not fu not fu money, but like you know, it's comfortable money. Yeah, I, listen, I, I'm still working. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing what you love, though. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was but not I, a small deal. This was not a small deal, though. I mean, this was, I think, what a seven hundred million dollar deal, if my memory's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I, listen, Salesforce is awesome. I learned a ton there. But what I also learned was when there's rapid change and there's chaos in a market. You need innovation, and sometimes it's easier to innovate when you're a really sort of small company starting with a with a clean slate. How long were you at Crux? Uh, almost five years. Oh come on, you're totally he's on guys. He's underselling himself. You had some equity there. That was a very good exit for you. Did you plow any of that money back into Abu or no? So you could so you could say bootstrapped at the beginning or no? Um, so Habu was actually launched inside of a venture studio. So the founders of Crux started a venture studio. Uh, it's a fund called Superset. It's a $65 million fund and they start startups. They're not VCs. Oh. They uh, they start, so they actually started 10 companies in the last three years. Um, okay, so, yes. so how did you get involved? Well, I was thinking about starting my own thing, um, but I'm not uh, an engineer. Um, and so I needed a technical co-founder and to go hook. And these guys are my old bosses, right? From, from the last company. And so to go work with them, I basically had instant access to world-class engineering talent and plenty of capital to get going, right? And so we raised... Uh, a, a series A, right as I came in, uh, we actually just closed our series B. Snowflake invested in us actually as well. Um, oh, nice. We're, well, we're off and rolling now. Quantify those for me. What was a series B? How much? 25 million. And uh, that was a series B. When was a series A? Uh, series A was November. Well, we announced it of February of uh, 2020 is when we announced it. Feb 2020. Okay. And how much was that? End, end, of, end, end of 2019 is when we really closed it. Okay. 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 And how much was that for? 13. 13. And that's when you came in. Yes. Right. Right. Then right. Right. When we closed that. Did the, did the series A investors, was that a contingency? They had to bring you in as CEO. Uh, you know, superset actually leads the rounds as well. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's people I've worked with forever. Right. So it's not, I mean, it, it, yes, we sort of mutually agree, but it was not necessarily contingent. Like they had been incubating and building some some tech as well trying to think about pro uh, ways to solve this problem. Interesting. Okay, so so got it. So you go into this. So help me understand if someone else is listening right now going I am just like Matt, I need to go find a venture studio where I can be the CEO of one of their companies and spin it out. I mean, how does that cap table shake out? I mean, do you look at Superset like a 50/50 sort of co-founder effectively or are you way under 50% equity in the business? Um, I'd rather not get into the specifics of the of the um cap table for Habu. There are other venture studio models out there. Um, you know, I think Superset's a little bit different than like Y Combinator and some of the other folks like that, because, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, they play sort of very operational roles. So the, the, the sort of the CTO who actually was the CTO of Salesforce's marketing cloud and the CTO of my last company, he was the CTO of Habu for, for, for two years. Um, the other superset partner is actually chairman of our board. So they're pretty active um, roles. Now that we've sort of raised our series B and we're a bigger company, they've sort of taken a back seat. But 
yeah, I mean, listen, the, the cap table sort of appropriately represents the different inputs of, of where people are adding value. Fair, fair. Yeah. Thanks for that context. And then look, most people, Series B, you're selling, you know, 10 to 15% of the business. Were you guys sort of in that same range? Uh, sorry, say that question one more time. Most Series Bs today, you know, SaaS, B2B SaaS, you're selling 10 to 15% of the business. Were you guys sort of in that standard range? Uh, yes, we're in the range. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And then, um, take gonna me tell you, I, 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 I gotta tell you though, Nathan, I, I, uh, I should probably do a better job paying attention to all these details. I'm more focused on trying to grow the company rather than, uh, staring at the cap table every day. Well, let's talk more about that. So 50 customers today, um, at a $25,000 ARPU, I mean, that puts you at about 1.2 in monthly revenue today, correct? Ish. Yes. How do you go from 50 to hundred? Let's talk about growth. Yeah. So we, for a long time, and for people listening out there, I'd be happy to <laughs> feel free to ping me on LinkedIn or share war stories. Um, we stayed a little too lean too long on the sales and marketing function, I would say. Um, we had a ton of engineering, product engineering, and um, but I didn't, I felt like we probably could have invested earlier in sales and marketing. And so we, um, um, you know, we were in the end, there's other people in our category who are a lot bigger, right? We're an early stage company um, and they're, they're doing a lot of marketing about the category. So a rising tide lifts all boats. So we're benefiting from the category expansion, um, but we need to do a better, and we have a better product, but we need to do a better job sort of increasing awareness around what we do. So um, Matt, who are those Na- name one or two in your space that are sort of educating the market? Um, there's a public company. They're also a partner, um, and a great partner as well. But there's a public company called um, LiveRamp who has a has a has a competitive has a competitive product. Um, yep. To, to yep. Yep. So, anyways, um, but listen, great company. We actually use some of their identity products as well. You know, classic competition. But um, what was the question you just asked me? Oh, how do we grow? Yeah, listen, we're um, we're adding uh, we're adding salespeople, um, and we've mm-hmm. got a you know I think at this point you know and you've probably heard this you know talking to a lot of different other founders. It's about um, defining your selling motion. How do you try to repeat it? Like we're going through, you know, all, all of that stuff right now. And really, how do we, how do we try to codify it even more? Yep. And, yep. And, and accelerate. What is your team today? How many people full time? Uh, we are just under 50. Just under. Okay. Got it. And, and how many of those are engineers? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> um, half. Oh, wow. Okay. And how many are sales reps with a quota? Six, maybe. Got it. And did you hire your first quota carrying rep like pretty recently? This is a pretty new motion for you? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, one early on salesperson and she's a total... Um, She's a rock star. She was, you know, I, me and the executive team was all involved in a lot of these sales and we had a lot of contacts, right? Just from our last project as well and last company. So, um, but we had an awesome sales executive who's been with us sort of since the beginning, since day one. And, um, and then sort of middle of last year, we've been, we've been adding, now we have a chief revenue officer as well. Um, who's got a little domain expertise. She's awesome. So, uh, the one fact, which is rare in sales companies, we're, our sales force is about 70, 75% women, um, which you oh, don't often see. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. That's it. That's great. We love hearing that. Um, and and it sounds like I mean from a growth perspective, if you're doing you know one one point two a month today, where were you exactly a year ago? Oh boy, you should you know I should have invited my COO and CFO to answer all these questions. Oh come now. on, don't act naive. You 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 told me before you listened to the show, you knew all these questions were coming. <laughs> uh, or just give me a growth rate. Like, guys are going. Yeah, listen, we're we're, we're 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 like you know like we we sort of have a mantra of like. 
uh, triple, triple, double, double, right. In terms of gro- growth, growth expectations. And so we're, we're on track for that. So, well, it depends on when you start triple, triple, double. So did you double last year? Or did you triple over the past 12 months? Um, our fiscal year actually just ended, uh, Chan 31. Um, and so we're still, um, finalizing things with our board meeting next week. So I'd rather not, uh, such a, such a political answer. Okay. You Sorry. at least, you at least Matt, you at least double your, 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 your listeners aren't going to learn anything from me, from me telling you these numbers. It's more of about, course they, of course they are because it's all content. It's much better than you saying like fluffy Duffy, we had a big failure and da, 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 da. so, but just yeah, like listen, here, I mean, somewhere between yeah. doubling and tripling last 12 yeah, months. Is yes. that a fair statement? Okay. 100%. Got it. Got it. And, um, okay, cool. So series B, why raise 25 million? That's a lot of dilution. Where are you spending the money? Could have actually raised more. Um, uh, it's actually not. Yeah. Um, listen. I mean, you, by the way, uh, if you're doing a million bucks a month right now in revenue, right? Uh, which, by the way, is pretty high. 240000 bucks in revenue per employee with 50 people. So I'm assuming you're actually a little less than probably a million right now per month. But let's say you're around yeah, that. Yeah, because uh, like I, I sort of quoted the average price of some of our our deals more recently, there's still some of those early on deals, which were Fair. a lot more flexible and smaller, right? So the, Fair. the numbers don't all tick and tie as, as well. As, but you're you flirting know. with a million a month in revenue. I mean, you, you, you're, you're, you got your around we're, there. We're my, on that. We're on that track. Yes. Yeah. So. My, my, my point is you traded at somewhere around evaluation multiple of like 20 X. I mean, I know others in your space, not your space directly, but with their same metrics that they're trading at like 30, 40 X. Right. So like, I'm just trying to get a sense of how you guys thought about dilution. Yeah. Um, Listen, I think we had a unique opportunity with our partnership with Snowflake um, and we partnered with Snowflake and, and Snowflake Ventures invested in well. And, and I think we Snowflake's a great product and we built a bunch of our technology on it. And it, and it made it made sense to, um, listen, I saw the power of distribution at a company like Salesforce. And if you can do a partnership with, with Snowflake to help people sort of drive more compute with Snowflake, like we can get the potential you know benefit and partner with them from a distribution perspective. So um, that's that's why it made sense. That was, that one, that was, sense. That was one of the reasons. And also the okay. market's the market's hot. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that, that's, that's a great answer. Um, last question: Are you flying traditional model with your six quota carrying reps, or are you, you have them, you know, aiming at five x their OT in terms of quota? Hundred million dollar uh, quota target. If they hit quota, they they make something like you know two hundred fifty grand. It's funny. I actually missed that meeting this morning where we're actually going through those specifics. But yeah, probably quote will probably be a little bit, a little bit higher than that. And um, you know, I I'm actually a fan of six month quotas at this stage of a company still a little bit because I feel like you know we're still trying to figure it out. Um, and you know, listen, I I love listen, I love um, you know salespeople who make three hundred percent of quota, blah, blah blah. But it's like, yeah, well, guess what? Your CFO is going to change the goals next year, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> we want to make sure that we're appropriately compensating people, but we're also not setting the bar sort of too 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 low. Um, everyone's a shareholder, um, you know, and so um, all fifty people own equity. Options pack comes with every off offer. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's nice. So you do six month quota. So what, like six hundred grand is the target for six months in terms of quota? One point two for the year, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. We're... Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. And how do you split it up amongst the reps? Is it, is it geography based or some other way? It's funny. It's a, it's a, it's a hot topic right now internally. Um, because I think we're actually going to, I think like we're, we're literally making these decisions today. Uh, I think we're probably going to move to some sort of a, a blend where it's actually more um, uh, vertical which I think at our stage is not that normal, but I think given the nature of what we do, that vertical expertise is really useful, right? If someone 
can talk that HEB game and go talk it yep. everywhere else. That's a good thing. So that's how I'm thinking about. That's how we're thinking about it right now. Especially because like you have a very, you have a very clearly defined three or four key areas that makes complete sense yeah. to me. Um, super interesting. And then talk to me about you. Man, you mentioned how you're able to drive expansion based off number of slots and also module upsells. Was your net dollar retention over the past twelve months greater than hundred percent? Yes. How far? One hundred twenty. Yes. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes on one twenty. It's a podcast. People can't see my face. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but but we already understand how you're driving, and that's obviously healthy healthy metrics. Are you doing a bunch of stuff in terms of paid marketing? Like, do you have a real CAC here? No, not yet. Actually, in fact, we we just uh, we have a, just hired some the, a CMO who's coming on board. Yeah. So, yeah. If Snowflake offers half a billion dollars to buy the company tomorrow. Do you have to sell? <laughs> I don't want to answer that question. I, I mean, I just, I, are you in acquisition talks right now with with Snowflake? No. Do they have a rofer because they led your series B? Let's not get into the specifics on that. It's not, it's <laughs> you, guys can re- you guys can read his face. And, learn. You guys can read his, read his face and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> all, all, all I'll say is, um, you know, we have great investors. And, you know, if people want to like learn about this type of stuff, talk to your investors, right? I, I had great counsel from our chairman of board and, and our investors on, on the best way to, to get the partnership. And, and honestly, that's the thing I would actually say. And I would even say this from the crux days is, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, capital in the markets today. And I would encourage any entrepreneur to really focus on value-added capital. And I'm super fortunate to have that not just from Snowflake, but also from some really awesome investors. And yeah, we probably could have gotten better terms from whatnot, from people and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you want people that are actually going to make you better. And I, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel super fortunate for the, for the investors that we have. And I think they, they push us to be better. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's not an easy decision though, right? The reason I bring this up is like deciding to take capital from a much larger player in your space, i.e. Snowflake is both an advantage because they're more likely to distribute your software. It's also potentially a disadvantage is live ramp less likely to acquire you because Snowflake is a major investor. Do you, do you limit your options moving forward? It's so there's a give and take. Yeah, I think so. But at the end of the day, like Snowflake's not looking to restrict our TAM and, you know, we, we have to be agnostic. Um, yep. so. Well, we'll see what happens, Matt. In the meantime, though, let's wrap up with some easy, some fluffy questions here for you. Number one, favorite business book. Oh, boy. Uh, most recent business book. Let's do that one. I actually just read uh, the CEO of Snowflake's book, Amp It Up, which is actually a pretty good read. So I just All read right. that. Amp It Up. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying besides Snowflake? Yeah, I would say that's uh, actually the chairman of our board, Tom Chavez. He actually is the CEO of a, of a portfolio company as well. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he spins a lot of plates and, and I'm fortunate to have had him for a mentor for a long time. So I, What I do you mean portfolio company? Are you an LP and in, in in Superset or something? No, um, Habu was incubated inside of Superset. And so it's part of this, the Superset portfolio. Oh, I see, um, I see. And so- He's a CEO of, a, of another company as well, but he's the CEO I probably pay the most attention to. I see. I see. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Habu? The telephone. It's underused today in business. <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Sleep's important uh, between seven and eight. Okay. That's good. In situation, married, single kids? Married, four kids. Four. Holy crap. How old are you? 47. Okay. Last question, Matt. What is something you wish you knew when you were 20? Say that one more time. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Huh. 
Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and the importance of uh, managing your own psyche. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Matt was at a hot startup that sold a sales for for 700 million bucks. After he cut his teeth there, he said, you know what? I'm going to jump out, launch my own thing. But he didn't have any technical skills. So what he did is he partnered up with a venture studio called Superset to spin out this company called Habu.com. They're growing nicely. Call it 100% year-over-year growth or 200% year-over-year growth, doubling or tripling last 12 months from 500 grand up to about a million, called a million month flirting with it in revenue across 50 enterprise customers. Just closed a series B, 25 million bucks with a critical partner in Snowflake. They sold caught 10 to 15% of the business. Now looking to scale their sales team, total team of 50, six quota carrying reps, really excited about the space. We'll see what happens next. Matt, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks. It was nice meeting you. Appreciate the opportunity.